Welcome to the Fabulous 413, I'm Monty Belmonte. Coming up later in the show, comedian and former candidate for Lieutenant Governor Jimmy Tingle. He's got a new comedy show called Humor for Humanity. His shows double as benefits for nonprofits in the communities in which he performs. This Saturday, April Fool's Day at the Shea Theater, Jimmy Tingle's Humor for Humanity will benefit the Franklin County Community Meals Program. Joining Jimmy Tingle and me later in the show will be Kim Croce, the new executive director of the FCCMP and board chair Fardeen Chaudhry. But speaking of candidates, the fabulous 413 got a voicemail. Hello, uh, this is Bob Burke from Manchester, Connecticut. I'm calling to uh, ask your, your uh, I think her name is Miriam. She, she talks about the dictionary. There's one word that's, I think, mispronounced. Uh, for example, the word candidate, it's spelled C-A-N-D-I-D-A-T-E. Then why is it pronounced candidate? You don't say, uh, I'm going on a dit with my, with my uh, girlfriend, or I'm going on a dit with my, my boyfriend, or, you know, if that's the case. I mean, you, you, would, you wouldn't say, save the dit for uh, uh, March 23rd. Or what, you know, it's not candidate. I was always taught or, or even saw it in Braille as candidate. I think this should be corrected. Uh, you might ask her that, that next time, or, or you can you can play this message for her and, and see what the, what the what the scoop is. And how did it ever get called candidate when it's spelled candidate? That's weird. Okay, thanks for your time. Emily Brewster, resident wordster from Merriam-Webster, our dictionary in Springfield, right down the street from where we are here at the NEPM studios. Already getting nicknames from listeners. Yeah, your name name is now Miriam, <laughs> as opposed to the word nerd. What do you make of our listener, Robert Burke's query? Well, I, I, I do appreciate um, be, being called Miriam, but that's, yeah, Emily. Emily is my name. Um, but Merriam-Webster is the, is the company for which I work. Um, yeah, you know, candidate, the, the real answer to Mr. Burke's question is that um, it's because speakers are, are lazy, that saying candidate which is actually one of the given pronunciations in our in our dictionary. That is the that is the main pronunciation that our entry provides. Candidate is it. But then we also have as legitimate pronunciation candidate and candidate and candidate, right? But that that ate on the end of a word saying it or ut, it's actually something called the schwa sound. I love and that. The That's the upside down sound. e, right? Mm-hmm. Yes, it is the upside down e in in the cryptic pronunciation guides provided for you so helpfully in, in dictionaries. <laughs> if you didn't know English, you now need to know another language that nobody really speaks except dictionary editors about how to speak in English. But isn't some of it at the front of the dictionary if you're looking for like a guide? Oh, Khalees, there is so much explanatory information. It's true. You are exactly right. And and I think about five people read it. Oh, ever. hey, that's me. Great. I'm one of the five. Somehow I remembered schwa from school, though, so that's good. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and, and, the, and the schwa sound is the most common vowel sound in the English language. It is everywhere. It's, it is, so the rule about the schwa sound, it's, it's pretty much identical to the sound that the letter U makes when it's saying its sound, like in gum, um, but it always appears in an unaccented syllable. So, um, you know, the in the word gum. That's the mule is going to come back. In style. 
that the only syllable is the accented one because uh. it's just the one syllable, right? Um, but in a word like banana, you have the schwa. You have, you know, if, if if each of the vowel letters in banana said their names, which is how I used to talk about it when I used to be a, a reading teacher, you would say banana. Oh, but just like that rappy song, apples and bananas. Oh, oh man. Oh, I like to eat, eat, eat. Apples and bananas. I remember okay, that from the, elementary school too, I guess. No, <laughs> I remember that from my siblings. Ah. The car, that was a car ride. Yeah, right. Tape. That includes a schwa sound for the first syllable. Buh. Buh. Right, yeah. right. You could also do it with all the A's saying their sounds. Banana. Well, they were right. a great doo-wop band that played Woodstock. You're out here. Shanana. <laughs> Remember that, everybody? Banana. Yeah, right. Banana. Yeah. Banana. Mm. Right. Now, shanana. Where are the accents in that? Shanana. Those are like three accented syllables. Mm-hmm. But if it were shanana, then you could put some schwas in there. Maybe yeah. they should change that. Man, she feels like a woman. Oh, that's Shania, right. Man, I feel like a woman. Well, right. So this is the, the, the thing that the schwa sound does is enables the speakers of the language to be efficient and to um, to not get hung up on so much precision. And, and the fact is that we we all understand each other for the most part, like more often than not, when somebody says a word like candidate or banana, we don't really care what it's spelled like in conversation. And there's this enormous disconnect in English between what words look like and what they sound like. That disconnect doesn't exist with some other languages like Spanish, for example. Right. Because um, Spanish English, is phonetic. It's rampant. Yeah. Right. There is yes. a correct way to speak Spanish, although that's debatable too, because there there's the accents of Spain versus the accents of of Mexico and all yeah, so and there's yeah. prejudices with people who speak Spain Spanish looking down on people who speak Latin American style Spanish. I've heard tell that even Puerto Rican speakers will be told by Spain Spanish speakers, "Oh, are like you from are you from the Canary Islands?" Like it's a uh, like it's a compliment as a, like your Spanish is so good. It sounds like you're not quite from Spain, but you're definitely not from Puerto Rico. Maybe you're from the Canary Islands. <laughs> so this kind of judgmental pronunciation thing is not exclusive to English. Mm. And uh, is the take of our listener, who we love and thank you for calling and leaving us that voicemail for the word nerd, what is the take of Merriam-Webster when it comes to trying to mandate the correct pronunciation of a word like candidate or candidate or candidate? Yeah. Yeah. We are, we are powerless. We are absolutely, and, and, and actually don't, don't even want the power, right? That's not a dictionary's job. It's not to mandate what a pronunciation is. We always follow the users of the language and are, you know, like more like natural scientists in that way. The English language is the topic of our study. And um, we, you know, are the pronunciations that we provide in our dictionaries are based on the pronunciations that are used out there in the world by the speakers of the language. It is not your duty to police. It is to document the practice. That's right. Yes. But if Robert Burke feels strongly about that pronunciation, he should just keep saying it more often and that will become the more favored. It is already the more favored kind of pronunciation of it, right? That's right. Candidate is the is the one that we put first in our dictionary. I mean, he could also say that that people go on duts. Yeah, I'm going to instead start, of dates. Yeah, I'm going to go out on a dut. <laughs> oh, man. I'm going to have some 
dried fruit. You're going to have some duds. Made out of duds. Dut trees. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Of course, that you know that. But then, when we, if we if we were really talking about the mechanics of the language, that's the kind of shift that wouldn't come about naturally because the schwa sound will not appear in a single syllable word like that. But in a multi-syllable word like this, I was trying to think. Of, can you think of other words that end in ate? The word frigate comes to mind, which is really rather obscure to be helpful. I don't know if but you're allowed to say one. that on New England public obstinate. media. <laughs> oh, obstinate! That's a great one. There yes. we go. <laughs> yeah. So that, that, again, is that A-T-E ending. We and don't say obstinate, you know, and uh, uh, there's not a lot of people that say obstinate, right? Right. Right. Yeah. Right. And English does this in a lot of our suffixes, like all the time, because they're often, you know, we're not, we're not French. We don't put the accent on the final syllable, like pepe le pu. Le mieu. Le mieu. Ah, un petit femme skunk. Even the word like function, that T-I-O-N ending, that has the schwa sound in it. It's because we, we focus on usually a syllable that is earlier in the word. And so multisyllable words often end in a suffix that has a schwa sound. Think of the word like table or bubble, right? That bowl, it's, it, there's hardly a vowel there at all. There actually technically is not a vowel sound in a word like table in the second syllable, that bowl syllable. It's really just the letter L or the sound that, that the letter L makes um, that's functioning as a vowel because it's the closest thing to a vowel that's in the word. The sounds ul and er are both, um, they are consonant sounds that are, you know, if it's, if it's a continuum, they're far more similar to vowels than they are to consonants like p and t. So do we have the e there because we were trying to approximate French at some point? Table. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, right, often the spellings in English reflect, the spellings that don't make any sense to us reflect former pronunciations. Right. Yeah. Tablet. And then, you know, it's it, it also like I, I don't really know how much the orthography, the spelling of the word is bound by expectations for for spelling. Mm. So I was certainly grateful when I was a reading teacher that I could that there was an E at the, you know, for the second syllable of table. Mm. Right. Because they're, they're, you're supposed to have a vowel. So we have kind of a silent E there, um, which is is helpful for people who want there to be spelling rules. You know, the <laughs> spelling rules we have are, are just they're they're so so often so weak and ineffective, but um, we cling to the ones that we that have some value. We're doing our best, <laughs> always. The word candidate has kind of an interesting history. Aha! Uh-huh. Oh. So do does some of our candidates, frankly. <laughs> That's why George Santos vows to tackle crime head on in our district. Not my department. <laughs> you mean our candidates? Our candidates. Our candidates. <laughs> you didn't surprise, you're on a date. It's <laughs> candid camera date. Oh no. <laughs> Tell us the history of the word candidate or candidate or candidate. It comes originally from Latin. Um, the word comes from a Latin word, candidatus, meaning clothed in white. And in ancient Rome, political candidates would wear white robes that were actually whitened with chalk to be bright. And we think of, when we think of Rome and Greece and early types of democracy on the European continent, we think of those, oh, I think of Socrates from Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Socrates. Hey, we know that name. Yeah. Hey. Look him up. Oh, it's under Socrates. Dressed in a white robe. Of and, course. And, and yeah. that's what literally it means. The word candidate comes from the white robes. Yeah. That's yeah. 
That's fascinating. It is fascinating, right? Now, the word candid has the same ultimate root because the Latin word that candidatus comes from is candidus, meaning white or bright. And so candid comes from there, from a, another intermediary word that means to shine or to be white. Which means that candid camera is actually an oxymoron, eh? Because oh. it's not hidden. Because it's supposed to be hidden. Right. Like, right. Well, is it so bright that you're blinded by the by the candidness of it? You know, it's like the shining. Maybe. maybe right, that, that's what I'm going with. I right, always thought okay. candid camera meant that it was like the hidden camera. But maybe right. actually what but, candid camera is saying is it's showing the true bright self of somebody who doesn't realize they're on camera. I think that you are giving them an awful lot of credit <laughs> that they maybe do not deserve. I think it's just alliteration. <laughs> well, if you think about the way that the word candid really functions in the language, right, it is, it is about uh, kind of the unvarnished the unedited version of something. Fair. Yeah, I mean, that, that is what, I love Candid Camera. That's, that <laughs> is what Candid Camera was doing, right? It was like, it was exposing people and their natural reactions when they have no idea that they are um, being recorded and also being duped. I also think we've had some candid candidate uh, situations over the course of political history, especially recent political history, with one particular candidate that I can think of right now. I'll admit it. She was married. <laughs> huge news, Sarah. And I moved on her very heavily. In fact, I took her out furniture shopping. Candid candidate is a very different program. Yeah. You'd think that some <laughs> of them... Often unintentional. Yeah, and you'd think that in some a, of them would the have been career-ending, but they just turned out not to be. It makes me think of Borat. Yeah. Yeah. Why, why are you no, like she's my daughter. Please take me instead. Do not have her. I'm better than him. No, I better. <laughs> well, suffice it to say, A, we love when you, the listener, want to interact with us and with the word nerd. So you can do what Robert Burke did and send us a voicemail at 1-800-639-9120 or send us an email, thefab413 at nepm.org. Call or text. And then um, we'll, we'll run it by the word nerd. But I would say, personally, Mr. Burke, that uh, maybe... Uh, a little kinder in your in your approach to people that say candidate. It's in the dictionary. Yes, but I'm still a GIF person, so I, instead of GIF, yeah. So can't I have no leg to stand on? Yeah, in advising anyone to not say things. Merriam-Webster's dictionary enters both GIF and GIF, even though Steve Wilhite went with um, GIF, right? Yeah. The creator no, of that. No, did he go with GIF? I can never remember he which went one with he went GIF. with because No, he went with GIF. Wait, no. I think he went with GIF. No, stop this. Choosy developers. He reportedly said, choose GIF. Laurel. Yanny. <laughs> Laurel. Laurel. <laughs> well, there is a big divide, but the fact is that the person who invents a word, who coins a word, actually, you know, eventually has no ownership over it whatsoever. Yep. So you can, as the inventor of, of a name for a particular kind of file, give it a give it a particular pronunciation. And if the speakers of the language cho choose a different pronunciation, you, you're you're also powerless to do anything about it. You're not going to go on a lot of dits if you just start being so judgmental <laughs> about how people say different words. This is all I'm coming to. Down to. It's the whole like relinquishing of of authority of the author thing again. Yeah, like, you just kind of have to yeah. let it go. It's out in the public, and people are using it, and they're going to use it how they wanted to, regardless of your intentions. And you just kind of have to be okay. Yeah, it's good but, advice, Calise. <laughs> thus saith the dictionary in Springfield. <laughs> Thank you, Emily Brewster. Oh, you're so welcome. Great to talk to you. Oh. You can be like listener Robert Burke and send us a voicemail or text 1-800-639-9120 and ask a question of our word nerd. Or you can email us, thefab413 at nepm.org. Coming up, 
comedian and former candidate for Lieutenant Governor Jimmy Tingle. He's got a new comedy show called Humor for Humanity. His show doubles as a benefit for nonprofits in the communities he performs. And this Saturday, April Fool's Day, appropriately enough, at the Shea Theater, Jimmy Tingle's Humor for Humanity will benefit the Franklin County Community Meals Program. First, we'll talk to Jimmy about comedy and candidacy, and then we'll talk with Kim Croce, the new executive director of the Franklin County Community Meals Program, and board chair Fardeen Chaudhry about the work they're doing that Jimmy's comedy will support. You're listening to The Fabulous 413 on NEPM. One, two, three, four, five, six. Jimmy Tingle is coming to the Shea Theater in Turner's Falls this Saturday, April Fool's Day. Full disclosure of the Shea Theater, a nonprofit community owned theater owned by the town of Montague, where I happen to be the board president. I get paid zero dollars, but I love supporting community theater and great community events. Jimmy Tingle, comedian, commentator, founder of Humor for Humanity, mixing comedy with the hope and humanity the world desperately needs right now and always. Jimmy was the American correspondent for David Frost's show for PBS and the BBC, the Strategic Humor Initiative. He completed two seasons with 60 Minutes 2 on CBS, taking over for Andy Rooney, who worked as a contributor for MSNBC, appeared on all the late shows, The Tonight Show, Late Night with Conan O'Brien, The Late Late Show, as well as his own HBO comedy special, and he's coming to Turner's Falls this Saturday. He joins us live in the fabulous 413 right now. Thank you so much for being with us, Jimmy Tingle. Monty, excellent to be with you today. Thank you so much for having me on. It's my pleasure. You have an interesting history in regards to both comedy and getting involved politically speaking. Uh, you ran for lieutenant governor. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But uh, you grew up in the Boston area. What? When did you know in such a rich comedy town like Boston that you wanted to be a comedian? Well, uh, I grew up in Cambridge, and the Ding Ho Chinese Restaurant slash Comedy Club opened up literally two blocks from where I grew up in Inman Square, Cambridge. And my friend uh, Lenny Clark was hosting the open mic night uh-huh. on Wednesday night, and I ran into I knew him from high school, and I ran into him on the street. I said, Lenny, I heard you're doing these open mic nights. Can anybody come on? He goes, oh, yeah. All you got to do is sign up at 7 o'clock, and I'll put you on for five minutes. And I did, and it went great. I did song parodies at the time, and it went great, and people cheered, and I was completely hooked at that point. And I got a job at the Ding Ho. I was the daytime bartender, doorman, and open mic performer, and I worked there for like three years and honed my craft as a comic at the same time being immersed in the scene. And so that's that's when I knew I, I really wanted to do it. I was able to use some of the education that I had from UMass Dartmouth on sociology and political, um, political um, sat, not satire, but uh, political, what's the word I'm looking for? Anyway, studying politics. <laughs> <laughs> Poli-sci. Poli-sci, thank you. I'm so out of the loop, I'm forgetting my science. Poli-sci. And uh, just studying sociology and growing up in a city like Cambridge, all these different um, you know, influences were there all the time. And I just really took to the political humor uh, dimension of uh, stand-up comedy. I think it's interesting that you said that you started doing song parodies. So is this um, in the pre-Weird Al era? Or like, are you a precursor to Weird Al Yankovic? I think so. I would do song <laughs> parodies like I'd, come, I'd dress up like a blues brother, had a trench coat, a hat, shades. And I'd come up and go, 
uh, I'm a test tube baby. That's why I got the blues. Was a man-made mutation scientifically abused. Was the miracle of the laboratory. How come I never made 60 minutes or even the news? <laughs> and then you did make 60 minutes after all, which is really I know. funny. I know. And Monty, when I first started, I used to go up to UMass Amherst and I'd perform uh, on the campus there in front of the student union billion, building. Yeah. And I did the blue wall. I hosted oh, yeah. an open mic there. And I hitchhike out. I'd hitchhike every uh, Tuesday night from Cambridge right up Route 2 all the way to UMass, host the show, <laughs> sleep on my friend's floor, and come back the next day. That's amazing. So, see, that ties you right into the fabulous 413. Speaking with Jimmy Tingle, who will be in Turner's Falls on Saturday, April Fool's Day, to do a show that will benefit Franklin County Community Meals Program, and we'll bring them into the conversation in just a little bit. But as you mentioned, you graduated from UMass Dartmouth in the, the 90s with a degree in history, but then you went back to school and got a master's degree from Harvard Kennedy School and then gave the Harvard commencement address. I don't know, has that ever happened in the history of Harvard where somebody graduates from Harvard but is also the commencement speaker? I don't know if it's happened in the history of Harvard, but it never happened in the history of comedy. <laughs> <laughs> And I and I have to tell you, Marty, and I say this uh, to Monty, and I say this to anybody out there of a certain age: if you want to do something in this world, go for it. I don't care how old you are. If you're inspired to do it, just take the bull by the horns and go for it. What do you got to lose? I went back to school in my fifties, and the great thing about going back to school in your fifties, you get the student ID and the senior discount. <laughs> Can you double them up, or do they cancel each other out? <laughs> you double them up. That's what I did. <laughs> Tell me about your time at the Harvard Kennedy School. What made you want to go and study there? I wanted to go there. I had been doing comedy about 25, 30 years at that point. And I just, I had just uh, closed the theater that I had been running in Davis Square, Somerville, for about five years, Jimmy Tingle's Off-Broadway Theater. It closed, and I really wanted to do something uh, more substantial than just stand-up comedy. I love comedy. I love the commentary I love the energy of the crowds and, you know, the, what you can do with it. But I felt like I can do more. And at the Kennedy School, I came up with the idea. I wanted to learn more about social, uh, you know, uh, just being involved in a more serious level, possibly running for office at one point. And at the Kennedy School, I came up with the idea of Humor for Humanity, where you can use comedy as a, uh, a force for purposes beyond just entertainment. So it's not just about getting the laughs, but there's a purpose. Like the event that we're doing on Saturday, April 1st, it's a purpose. Proceeds, net proceeds will benefit the um, the community, the Franklin County Community uh, Meals Program. And to me, that's the best of both worlds. You're using your skills as a comic, as an entertainer, but there's an afterlife to it. And there's a purpose to the work beyond just the entertainment value. When you see where comedy has entered the actual political sphere, like Senator Al Franken is a great example of it, um, or when you see how much of an impact comedy can have in strictly the comedic realm, your Jon Stewart's, your Trevor Noah's of the world, um, is, that a, is that an effective way to affect change? I think I remember being slightly critical in the rise of, of the Trump movement of the daily shows of the world when everybody kept making fun of this thing that was and could continue to be, for many communities, very dangerous. Yeah, I think it's limited. I mean, yes, it can raise awareness. Yes, it can certainly provide entertainment value. 
But as you know, in politics, it's all about action. What are you doing with this? Okay, we've laughed. Now what are we going to do? Are we just going to laugh or are we going to vote? Are we going to organize? Are we going to knock on doors? Are we going to get involved? What I'm trying to do with Humor for Humanity is beyond beyond the entertainment value. What are we going to do? And in this case, on Saturday night, we'll be trying to raise spirits, funds, and awareness to support the Franklin County Community uh, Meals Program. But to your point about John Stewart and all those guys, they do great work. They're brilliant. They got great writers. They're hilarious. But to me, for my purposes, there needs to be more. I want more out of it. And I want, I mean, it's, it's like the saying in the Bible, faith without works is dead. If you believe in something, let's take some action and let's get some things done here. Because that's where the hard work of politics comes in. I know Jim McGovern is a big friend of yours and a big friend of the show. And he would, when I did run for office eventually, Jim did support me and endorsed me because he knows that I've been in the trenches in a serious way for many, many years, even though I'm a comic. So I, I try to use the tools that I have to do what I can. Well, tell me about that decision to run for lieutenant governor. What made you decide this was the right role for you to try to step up and, and run for that position? Well, a lot of it had to do with the election of the former president. I mean, how, people would say, how did this guy get elected in the begin with? And I would say, one of the reasons he had short, simple, sen- short, simple sentences for his messages. Three words, you know, build the wall, drain the swamp, lock her up, make America great. Three words. And I say to you, Monty, and I say to the beautiful 413, we have our own three words. Feed the hungry, mm-hmm. house the homeless, heal the sick, welcome the stranger, and I would add, fix the tea. <laughs> All of those could be attributed to another uh, figure from 2,000 years ago, perhaps, except for Fix the Tea, although I'm pretty sure it was broken then, too. You're right, Monty. <laughs> fix the Tea, because I always say if John F. Kennedy could inspire a generation to go to the moon, we can get a high-speed train to go to Springfield. <laughs> Commuter rails to New Bedford and Fall River. And I think if we put our heads together, we could get a train to connect North Station to South Station. We can do these things. <laughs> Comedian Jimmy Tingle, who is coming to the Shea this Saturday to do a benefit for the Franklin County Community Meals Program. It is his uh, humor for humanity, mixing comedy with the hope and humanity that the world so desperately needs. And we're going to talk more with Jimmy Tingle coming up, and w- as well as introduce you to the leadership behind the Franklin County Community Meals Program. Their brand new executive director, Kim Croce from Montague, as well as their board president, Fardeen Chowdhury from Greenfield. You're listening to The Fabulous 413. We'll be right back. Welcome back to The Fabulous 413. I'm Monty Belmonte. Khalees is on assignment, we'll say that, which really means um, it's code for on, uh, on vacation. But, you know, that's how it goes. And we're still joined by comedian Jimmy Tingle, who will be at the Shea Theater in Turner's Falls this Saturday in a benefit for the Franklin County Community Meals Program. We'll also welcome into the conversation the brand new executive director of the Franklin County Community Meals Program, Kim Croce. Am I saying that right, Kim, before we... You are saying it right. Oh, good. I, t- I typically will say, um, for people of a certain age, do you know Jim Crow? Yeah, I was going to make all sorts of time in a bottle uh, jokes well, for you, but I didn't that, know if, if I was pro- pro- pronouncing it incorrectly, it wouldn't be as funny. 
No, that's awesome because my dad is such a jokester that he had people believing that Jim Croce was his cousin. Aha. Uh-huh. So you can imagine how that all played out over time. And we're also joined by Fardeen Chowdhury, who is the board president of the Franklin County Community Meals Program. Thanks for joining us, Fardeen. Thanks for having us, Monty. Appreciate it. So we're going to um, get introduced to the new executive director because, Kim, you just stepped into that role earlier this month, right? I have been here a whopping, um, let's see, 28, 29 days now. Yeah, well, that's about the same as this show on NEPM, <laughs> so we're in a similar boat here. Well, uh, I was working at 93.9 The River for 17 years doing a morning mm-hmm. show before that, but what were you doing before um, you stepped into this role as executive director? So I'm one of those people that's done a variety of different things. I um, actually started out as an early childhood educator, um, which actually kind of got my thinking around food started and thinking about children and nutrition. I've also done some family planning work. I've done housing work. So I've kind of done the the, uh, the human service, public health thing. Um, I've been around for a while. <laughs> <laughs> and Fardine, you are the board president of the Franklin County Community Meals Program. Uh, what What is your life, daily life, apart from this, what I'm assuming is volunteer position on for this great uh, local organization? Well, daily life, I mean, uh, my wife and I have been in Green, have been living in Greenfield since 2017. Uh, we used to live in Orange before that. So, uh, you know, uh, over the years, uh, I've gotten to know Franklin County a lot more. I used to live out in Worcester. Uh, I went to Clark University out in Central Mass and uh, eventually moved out to Western Mass uh, 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 after I met my wife. So, uh, yeah, so, uh, outside of uh, the meals program, I am a uh, uh, project manager for a web development uh, agency. I do my own work. Uh, uh, I run my own business, Cool Hat Web Design. So uh, I am sitting in front of a computer most most times. So you're catching me at work. Uh, <laughs> I'm trying to sneak in some work here and there while we're while we're talking. Oh no, uh, you have to pay full attention to the show, Fardine. <laughs> yeah, exactly. What 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 was it about Franklin County Community Meals Program that made you want to step into that um, board leadership role? <clears throat> Well, um, my wife Sarah was a board member before uh, I had joined, so she was on the board for about. Uh, since about 2016 or so, and uh, she kind of let me know about the uh, their work and food insecurity is very important to her. And food, like I, I am someone who was food food insecure back in my college days in Worcester, and but back then I didn't have that language. I didn't know what food insecurity meant mm. you know, of all places in the United States of America. But it's uh, after uh, being introduced to the meals programs work uh, via my wife and kind of attending a few events. Uh, I got more interested. Uh, uh, I learned the language of food insecurity, and I wanted to explore more about that. And uh, just some of the harsh realities, especially in Franklin County, where the need is uh, definitely a little bit higher than other neighboring counties, uh, as far as we've seen. So uh, I admired the work uh, that the Muse program did, but uh, primarily I noticed that uh, and I noticed this in my, you know, in my capacity as a web designer, that nonprofits particularly are always lacking in technology support. You know, uh, it would be an out-of-date website or, you know, computers left over from two presidents ago or whatever. <laughs> so uh, a lot of technology, and, you know, I'm, you know, I work in web, but I'm also kind of a tech geek uh, through and through. And I've been to one of the events, the Empty Bowls event, usually held in People's Pine Greenfield, Mass. Uh, a lot of 
artists will uh, donate their work, kind of crafted bowls, and uh, the proceeds from that will go to benefit the program. And I noticed that, um, you know, I wasn't part of the of the program yet, but uh, so, uh, some of our board members, unfortunately, had to turn people away when they wanted to pay with a credit card. Right. So, oh, we're only taking cash and check. And I was just like, mm, this cannot be. Yeah. And fortunately, my wife always carries around a square reader because she sells her art and all that. She yeah. needs to take be able to take a credit card on, on the fly. And so I was like, you know what, we'll, we'll help you out today and we'll work out the logistics of getting the Meals program a square account. So we called those folks back, oh, come back, we take credit cards. Yeah, like, right. And they bought two bowls. Nice. You, you've brought the Franklin County Community Meals program solidly into the 20th century. <laughs> into at least the 20th century, or <laughs> the, the end of the 20th century, at least. Uh, but from then on, I just felt that uh, given the makeup of the group, uh, a lot of folks don't have the time, wherewithal, or what have you, to really work on these little things. That it's it's a small thing, but it it, it amounts to a lot. You know, uh, more donations, more a better uh, representation of us in the community. So I eventually joined the board, and uh, you know, I I the first thing I did was redesign the the website. Uh, but I also provide all sorts. I am I am the IT department yeah. in the in the program. So, you know, setting up Zoom calls or for our uh, monthly meetings, setting up a proper webcam and all that, uh, managing our information, uh, Google Drive. So that's the skill that I felt that I brought. And same as you know, Jimmy was saying, it's like you know, I have this one skill. I you know, I have a gift of gab, or uh, I'm able to tell jokes. How do I parlay that into service? And that's how I felt. That was my opportunity to give back with my knowledge. You that's know, Fardeen Chaudhry, good. who's the board president of the Franklin County Community Meals Program. We're also speaking with the brand new executive director of Franklin County Community Meals Program, Kim Croce, not to be confused with Jim Croce. Um, but I'll tell you, hunger in Franklin County is bad, bad Leroy Brown all over the place in the poorest county uh, in Western Massachusetts. I mean, in Massachusetts writ large, I believe, actually. Um, and we had on from Hampshire County yesterday the executive director of the Amherst Survival Center, Lev Ben-Ezra. Um, tell me what, even in your brief time as the new executive director there, Kim, you're seeing statistically in regards to how many people are relying on the emergency food programs that you have, the type of programs that they're accessing through you? So we, we've got several different pro – well, we've got lots of programs. Actually, that was sort of one of the things that I – was taken aback by initially when I started to even look at this position was not only the breadth of the programs, but how much we were doing because I've been hearing from other programs what they were doing. And I, you know, said, okay, we've got, you know, Franklin County Community Meals Program. They're out there. They're doing their thing. And then I came in and I realized we did 27,000 meals last year. 27,000 meals. Mm -hmm. That's a lot of meals. Yeah. Um, that was an increase over the year before in our food pantry out in Orange, which is probably which is our biggest program and actually makes us one of the biggest um, partners with the Western Mass Food Bank. Um, we gave out around 250,000 pounds of food last year. Um, and that was a, about a 50% increase over the year before. We saw 17, we did 17,000 um, service visits to 10,000 to um, a little over a thousand households and the year before we'd only done about 500 households and what I'm noticing this year um, because I'm out at the pantry right now we have new people coming in every day um, and not only that but the folks that come in what I kind of really love about our pantry is 
it almost feels like walking walking into cheers because literally everybody knows everybody our staff knows our clients they're like oh i I remembered last week you were looking for this or they'd see a young mom and they're like oh yeah we might don't forget you need to grab some diapers so it's that kind of connection that i think makes our meal our program successful is that we're out in the community we work with our community we partner with our community and you know, because of our staff and volunteers, we're able to provide all of this service. And this year, we're just going to keep going. And we're looking, you know, may as well put a plug out there in case anybody's listening in the orange area. We're hoping to expand into a larger pantry because we've really outgrown the space we have. We're kind of like squishing in between the aisles, getting stuff out. And one of the things I really like about that pantry is it's a choice pantry. So there are some things that we do that are sort of stock everybody gets but people can come in they grab what they want so I, I actually had somebody ask me the other day we had sardines and he goes oh yeah can I, I he goes can I grab another and I'm like sure go right ahead <laughs> let me stop you there because I love sardines but I'm imagining that they're not the most popular pantry item everyone in my house I have to eat them either like outside or like over directly over the sink so they don't stink up the whole joint are, are sardines a popular food pantry item they're not but yes here's the best part is so the first time I'm in there I see sardines and I see Nutella uh-huh and then I think of my kid who loves both of yeah, these things same. Like the sardines I could I could care less. Anchovies, I could care less. Yeah, you're speaking my language, Kim. But it's, you know, it's great that we've got this choice, right? It you is. You know, I did a pantry somewhere else, and we didn't have this level of choice. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a thing that people forget about or don't think about when it comes to needing to rely on food pantries is that you want to treat people with as much dignity as you possibly can. So the more choice, the more agency that you can give the people that are relying on this in in a situation that they likely um, don't want to be in, don't want to be in forever, maybe through no fault of their own, maybe while they're holding down a job or two trying to make ends mm-hmm. meet. If sardines are going to make that person's day and you can make sardines mm-hmm. happen, it's a, an amazing thing. And that's great that that's what the Franklin County Community Meals Program in the Orange Pantry uh, is able to do. Well, and not only that, but the one thing I forgot to mention, which I think has really kind of exploded our programming is we also do some delivery out of the pantry. So we've got folks, maybe somebody's got a couple of small children or it's an elder with um, multiple health issues. We can deliver food on Fridays and still provide the same level of service as if they're coming in. I took a call the other day from somebody who goes, yes, I would like a box. My friend was there the other day. Do you still have any lamb? So it was great to be able to be able to do that kind of choice for folks. So it's not just um, a standard box. We're speaking with Kim Croce, who is the brand new executive director of the Franklin County Community Meals Program, and Fardeen Chaudhry, who is the board president of the Franklin County Community Meals Program. Jimmy Tingle, the comedian who's still with us, is going to be doing a fundraiser for the Franklin County Community Meals Program at the Shea Theater on Saturday evening. Uh, he will be introduced by U.S. Congressman Jim McGovern, who will join us here in the fabulous 413 on the show tomorrow. Uh, Jimmy, talk a little bit about how your relationship with Congressman McGovern when it comes to food insecurity, because I know you have your own podcast, which I was lucky enough to be on last week, 
Yeah. And Congressman McGovern has been on that podcast as well. Talk about the relationship that you have together in regards to food security issues. Sure. Well, I'm a big fan of Jim McGovern. He's just awesome. He reflects the best in our society, the best in Congress, um, and the best in Massachusetts, in, in my opinion. So I was reading that he was instrumental in this national movement that Joe Biden got behind and that the Congress got behind to, quote, end hunger in America. That's his that's his goal. And we had a podcast and we talked about it and his efforts and his whole philosophy around this is we should not be having hungry people in the richest country in the world. And it's not a question of we don't have money. It's a question of priorities and value and prioritizing what is important in our society. And so that's where Jim's coming from. And so President Biden is empathetic, very much so to that point of view. Most people in the country, I think, both sides of the aisle would probably appreciate that point of view. And the whole thing is to make it a priority. Nothing happens in Washington unless somebody is the squeaky wheel gets the grief. And Jim has been a squeaky wheel on behalf of justice, on behalf of hunger, on behalf of just equality in our country since he's been in office. And um, it materialized this year with some legislation. I'm not exactly sure of the name of the legislation, but I know he was very effective. And President Biden put it into the budget. And there is millions of dollars, maybe billions, going to alleviate food insecurity in this country, which will obviously affect Western Mass and um, the Franklin County Community Meals Program. So that's what the nature of that conversation was about. He had an opponent at the time, but we didn't even get into that because we were too busy talking about this. <laughs> and Jim McGovern doesn't, uh, he's a hard one to beat because of the great stances that he takes over the years. That's comedian Jimmy Tingle, who is going to be doing a benefit for the Franklin County Community Meals Program at the Shea Theater this Saturday, April Fool's Day. Appropriately enough, with uh, Congressman yeah. McGovern announcing you there, a, a couple fools on Saturday night there uh, <laughs> to, to do a good thing for Franklin County Community Meals Program. More with Jimmy Tingle, as well as the new director of the Meals Program, Kim Croce, and the board president, Fardeen Chaudhry. Coming up, you're listening to The Fabulous 413 on NEPM. Climate change is real, folks, and it's separating whole countries, it's separating whole regions of countries, and climate change is separating whole families. The blizzard of 2015, you remember, we had nine feet of snow here in Massachusetts. Everybody had to shovel out their own spot. I come home from work, I saw a woman pulling in to my parking space. I said, excuse me, miss, excuse me, that's my space. Excuse me, with all due respect, it took me three hours to shovel that out. That's my space. Excuse me? I don't care if we're married. That's my space. (laughs) That is my space. And that is Jimmy Tingle, who is going to be at the Shea Theater this Saturday, bringing that kind of politics meets personal humor and benefiting (laughs) the Franklin County Community Meals Program. Joined also by the new executive director of the Franklin County Community Meals Program, Kim Croce, and the board president, Fardeen Chaudhry. Jimmy, this is a new show that you're bringing? Um, it's a show that I've been working on for a while. I started it when I, uh, after I left, uh, I didn't win uh, in, when I ran for office in 2018. For lieutenant uh, governor. 
Yeah, right? but I got 213,313 votes. I don't want to brag, but we came in second place. Okay, first that's great. Time running, first time <laughs> running, Monty, second place. That's the good news. Yeah. The bad news, it was a two-person race. <laughs> so, we got the silver medal. But, but, Monty, it's all social and political humor and autobiographical. It's relevant. And I've been working on it for a couple of years. And just listening to Fardine and Kim today, it just and yourself, you're awesome. It just inspires me more and more. And I'm so glad that I'm able to do this so that I can perform, that I can contribute with what talents I have and actually allow entertainment to be used for purposes beyond entertainment. That's the whole mission of humor for humanity. Humor in helping, humor in healing, humor in hope. Ha, ha, ha. I love it. <laughs> And uh, Kim, you're making your own jokes over here, I see, um, because uh, yesterday on the show, I had on the executive director of the Amherst Survival Center, who on the same day, on Saturday, uh, is having their Empty Bowls dinner from noon to four. So you've got plenty of time to go to that, take a little break, and then come out to the Shea and continue to help another program that helps make sure our neighbors have enough to eat, Franklin County Community Meals Program. And uh, you have renamed Saturday for us all. Yeah, I, I pitched this. Oh, <laughs> so Fardine that. wants credit for the joke. Absolutely, he can take it. But take yeah. it. <laughs> yes, please. No, I, yeah, we had noticed that there are so many food-related events all happening on April 1st, so April Foods Day. I like uh, that. was my pitch, real cool one. <laughs> April Foods Day it is. And as I mentioned, uh, Congressman Jim McGovern will be at the Shea as well to introduce the candidate that he endorsed for lieutenant governor a couple of years ago. And as uh, many people know, either through this show or through other works that he has done on the House floor, as well as the March for the Food Bank, which I'm proud to be a part of. Uh, Congressman McGovern cares very deeply about these issues. Um, I don't know if, if you were able to assess this, Kim, um, when there was more of a, a federal impact on people's wallets with the child tax credit, with some of the pandemic era SNAP benefits, and now those haven't gone away. Um, was there an impact on our local community when those were instituted? And, and what has the impact been now that they're, they're gone? There was definitely an impact while they were instituted. Um, you know, folks did feel like they could shop for a little bit more of their own food. And what's been going on, as I'm sure you, you know, is that they, they've been sort of chipping away at the pandemic um, enhancements over time. And so it seems like every couple of months, a little bit more gets taken away. I know in the state legislature here in Massachusetts, they're looking to provide an extra four months of, and this I'm a little shaky on whether it's 40% benefit or 60% benefit of the pandemic, but it's still really hard. Food prices have gone up. We're going back to the pre-pandemic SNAP numbers. And so folks that are used to getting the, the top amount some may only be going back down to about $20 a month, which really doesn't do anything except give them access to HIP. Um, and and HIP is the Healthy Incentives Program. It reimburses your, uh, your SNAP benefits if you spend it on certain things like at a farmer's market or, or a certain fresh, healthy vegetable, et cetera, that kind of thing. Yeah, and you can also go to, you know, some, there are some CSAs you can buy with um, a community-supported agriculture. Farm shares, yep. Farm share that you can get with those. You have to be at, a, at specific places. But um, that, from unfortunately, not a lot of folks use that program because a lot of folks don't seem to know about it. Um, I was working in housing before I came here, and I'd ask folks, i say, oh, do you know about HIP? And they'd go, they'd look at me like, 
what's hip? And then I go into my spiel. I'd explain it. I'd explain how to use it. I'd explain how the receipt works because I happen to know quite a bit about it mm. um, because I think it's such a fantastic program. Um, in the place I was doing the food pantry before, you know, people would say to me, well, kids don't like vegetables. Well, I had a bunch of kids come in, see a 50-pound bag of carrots, and you would have thought it was a 50-bag pound of chocolate. Yeah. They wanted the carrots, so, you know, over to the sink, I, over I go to the peelers and all that, and kids had carrots. That's Kim Croce, who's the new executive director of the Franklin County Community Meals Program. Uh, my engineer there, uh, Betsy, is telling us that her daughter, Claire, who I love when she brings to the station here, loves broccoli. So a lot of it has to do <laughs> with access. And when you feel like um, farm fresh food, farmer's market food is too expensive for you and inaccessible, you may go towards the lower priced, maybe filled with sodium or sugar mm. products. And then an aspect of hunger, of course, uh, is nutrition where there's sometimes there's access to food but it's not the kind of food that's going to help you live your best life franklin county community meals program got the sardines got the 50 pound <laughs> bags of carrots they got all the good stuff and you can help support the work that they are doing this saturday by coming out and seeing the the uh, comedian jimmy tingle a legend i grew up uh listening to your comedy i love hearing your boston accent the accent i grew up with but sort of fell off when i moved out here he's going to be there congressman mcgovern's going to be there and thank you again to uh fardine Chaudhry, who is the board president of the franklin county community meals program thank you so much for joining us here in the fabulous 413 today thank you for Martin. having us Thank, Thank you, you so much, you. man. It's an honor to be with you, and it's an honor to work with Fardine and Kim. Uh, keep up, keep doing the great work that you're doing. You inspire us, and I can't wait to be on the stage Saturday night at the Shea Theater, April Fool's. April Fool's Day, as quoted by <laughs> April Fool's. Thank you to our director, Tony, known by all at Chef Wayne's Done. Our engineer is Betsy Guest Wrangler Cordis. Our technical team is Bart Hard Hat Slapstick Rankin. Kara, don't come in early just for me, Foster. And punk rock Dubay, who is slowly but surely dismantling these studios as we move into our new studios across the street. Musical thanks to Spouse, Happy Valley Guitar Orchestra, The Beatles, The Minions, and whomever Betsy is playing for us right now. I'm Monty Belmonte. We'll see you tomorrow in the fabulous 413.